But we've been talking the last few weeks about the God of the impossible. But it's not that God is impossible. It's that we get to a point that we realize or begin to think that God is impossible because we're not seeing things happen that we're asking. Who changed? If Scripture says that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, who changed? Must be us. Why is the church really and truly spiritually as weak as what we are? What changes us? What makes us different than any other religion? What makes us different? Oh, we believe in the, in the real Jesus. We believe that he's alive. They believe what they believe very strongly as well. But what makes us different? It's the power. It's the power of Jesus. It's the power that raised Christ from the grave. It's the power that Jesus spoke to Lazarus and he woke up and walked out. It's the power that Jesus laid hands on and people recovered. It's the blind eyes that he spoke over and and he spit in. That he made mud pie in and rubbed it in their eye. But yet something happened. It's that power that we as a church, more or less the American church. Because when you go overseas, when you go into to Uganda and you see these people that have nothing but just belief. They don't have anything else. They're not so back and forth that they can't stand on their own. All they have is their faith and what they're hearing. And guess what they're seeing? They're seeing blind eyes opened, deaf ears opened. They're seeing things grow back, things be healed. They're seeing the dead raised. What do we need? We need to see the power. We need to see and experience. But we've been talking about that for faith to work, it has to be personal. We can go only so far in our faith walk on somebody else's faith. You can only go and you can only experience so much in this on somebody else's faith. At some point, you have to get in and you have to start believing that what God's word is true and that what he said, he'll do for you. You have to believe it. We talked about Sarah through faith. Also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive the seed. It was her faith. He was already faithful. God was faithful. He told her. But there was something inside of her that had to go, I know God said it. I know that he said it's going to happen. Now I'm transitioning to the point of now I believe that it's for me. She went from that lighthearted chuckle. Huh, does he not know how old I am? Does he not know that it doesn't happen? It can't happen anymore? But to get from that point, we have to know for faith to work that God knows the hidden heart. Sarah laughed to herself. <laughs> you know, when God tells you to do something and you, you get that giggle, you get that, that lighthearted moment that you're like, is God really true? Is really? I don't know about that. But God hears it. God hears our thoughts. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what's going on in our hearts. And the moment that we realize that, then we're free. Yeah, you know what? When God says that, I can go, are you kidding me? But then I can step in saying, okay, God, 
whatever you say, I'm willing. I'm willing to step into that alignment. Because she laughed at herself. For faith to work, we have to realize that God specializes in the impossible. That's his specialty. Because what seems impossible to man is not impossible with God. All things are possible. Everything's on the table. That healing that you're asking for, it's on the table. That, that freedom from debt that you don't know how to get out of, it's on the table. That, that family restoration that you say it can't happen, it's on the table. That drug addiction that you either deal with or a family member deals with, and you say, I don't know that anything's going to happen, it's on the table. What do you have to do? Just believe. In spite of when the, well, hi. I'll talk to you all day long. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is know in that moment that there's there anything too hard for the Lord. No. There's not anything too hard for the Lord. Hebrews 13 says, equip you with every good thing to carry out his will and strengthen you. It's his job. If he's called you, he'll equip you. We've all heard that. But we also go, not for me. Because I know what I did yesterday. I know what I said yesterday. I know what, what's going on in my life that nobody else knows. He's not going to use me, but his word is true. That all we have to do is finally like Sarah and say, okay, I believe what God said. Step into alignment. And then all of a sudden, these things will begin to happen. It's as simple as that. To step into alignment. God supplies the tools for the tasks he assigns. It's his job. If I, as a business owner, go tomorrow morning to my employees and I say, okay, I want you to go out and kill all these bugs and do all these things, but I want you to figure out how to do it. You want to stomp on them with your shoe? Some houses you would be there for days and weeks stomping on them with your shoe. But if you want to do that, that's okay, but just go do something. I would not be a good business owner. I would not be a good boss. I would not be somebody that's equipping my employees with the things that they need to go accomplish what I've asked them to accomplish. But it's my job to go and, and supply a vehicle for them to get from point A to point B. It's my job to supply them with product to go and take care of whatever's going on. It's my job to train them in the ways that we're supposed to go and how we're supposed to do it. Why? Because I'm supplying a job for them. It's my duty to say, here, this is how you do it, and here's all the tools that you have need of. If it's really God's work, and we're doing what God said, how different is it to expect that God says, figure it out on your own? All he says is show up to work and just say, I'm here. That's all I ask my employees to do. Just show up for work. Do how we say to do it. It's all good. Because we've gone through this for 30 years. We know the, the tactics of how to kill this thing or, or how to do this, how to talk to Mrs. Jones or, or to her husband and how to, how to respond when they ask questions. We know that. So if you'll just listen to what I've already given you, then you'll accomplish it and you'll succeed. How much more is God doing the same thing? Because he's a good, good father. How much more is he going to say, I want you to go here but here, here's everything that you have need of. Just stop for just a second. Let me, let me give you everything you have need of. But sometimes we as in our fast food culture, we want to just ride up to 
the Chick-fil-A window. I have to go there because they're the fastest drive through in town. And we expect to have 30 cars in front of us and be out of the line back on 12th Street within two to three minutes. Why? Because Chick-fil-A's trained us that way. Now when you go to Burger King or you go to McDonald's and you wait 30 minutes with two cars in front of you, you're really dying. But what have they done? They've trained us. They've given us what we have need of in that moment to know that when we go through, it's going to happen. It may seem like you're at Burger King sometimes and nothing's happening. You know, that dollar cheeseburger is not as good as I thought it was going to be now. I just want to get out of the line. I just want to go home. I'll even go to Taco Bell. I'll just go somewhere. But Jesus, he says, if you'll come and you'll get into alignment, you will move through the line. You'll go and I'll give you what you have need of in my timing. Thank God it works in his timing because I think I'm older and more mature than I really am. I think I'm ready for whatever the next is when really and truly, I didn't have a clue what I was getting into. Just like our preteens and our teenagers. Sometimes they begin to look at us as parents. Do you really even know what you're talking about? And then when you say, I've been there and done that, they look at you again and go, yeah, right. You've always been 42 years old. You were never a teenager. Right? But how are we like that with the Father? God, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to run wherever you want me to go. Well, wait a minute. You don't have everything you need. Your tool bag is not fully equipped to accomplish what you need to accomplish. So what do you have to do? We have to realize that he's a God of today. He's a God of today. He wants to give you today what you have need of. He wants you to know that today I am your God and I've equipped you for today for what you have need of. Even when we lose our brain because we've gotten anxiety ridden, we've gotten stressed out and all of a sudden we think everything's going crazy. All he's asking is what Siri asks me about every 15 minutes. Just breathe. Just breathe. It's funny how my watch, I guess, has become so part of my DNA that I laugh now because I can tell when my, when my adrenaline kicks up, when my, my breathing becomes a lot more shallow and hurried, that Siri kind of wakes up and says, hey, take two minutes just to breathe. That's what God's saying. God's telling you, yeah, your world is stressful right now, but you're still in the palm of my hand. I still got everything in control the way it needs to be. Just breathe. If you'll ever listen to Siri, or if you have the other more ungodly Android devices, whatever, they may do the same thing. But, but Siri is next to godliness. No. Siri, Siri tells you when it's time to breathe. Why? Because your body needs to just stop and get back into realignment. And it's amazing. After just a few minutes of, of breathing in and exhaling, how much your, your blood pressure goes down. Your heart rate slows down. Those kids that you're around, whether they're yours or somebody else's, they don't look like little demons anymore. There's still some horns pointing out, but they're not as bad as what they were. But it changes your perspective. What's God saying? It's time to change your perspective. Joel 2.28. 
And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also upon their servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Most of what we look at in the Old Testament is casting something that's coming in the future. When you look back, it's types and shadows. Things that are going to happen. This was in Joel. This was way before Jesus ever walked the earth. And he said, there's a day coming. There's a day coming that, that you're going to have dreams and you're going to have visions. These are those days. Simply step back into alignment. But we look at this and we go, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm holy enough. Was, was Jesus' blood enough? It was. His blood was enough for you. There's not a sin that you've committed that he goes, hmm, maybe we need to rethink this process. Maybe, maybe I should go back, walk the earth again, and we should do a do-over. Because I didn't see that one coming. Scripture says he was tempted in every way that we're tempted. Now, I don't see him walking down the road and his iPhone going off that moment and something popping up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the temptations themselves. He was tempted in every way that we're tempted. Yet he sinned not. Even Jesus walked the paths that we've had to walk. So what he's saying is, follow me. He's not saying, go down there, make a left-hand turn at the curve, go south. He's saying, follow me. You don't have to go on this road by yourself. Just follow me. But in that same sense, you don't have to walk this road by yourself. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Okay, Jesus. The real life flesh and blood, Jesus, walked the earth. And the real life Jesus, flesh and blood, said, you know what? It's better for you. It's expedient that I go away. Why? Because it wasn't just enough just to have Jesus. Where was Jesus? He was, before his ministry fully started, what happened? He went and was baptized and the Spirit descended like a dove. The Spirit descended like a dove. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have three. But the funny thing is, as a non-believer, you start hearing three that operate as one, then you start getting all confused. Everybody has a job duty. Everybody has a mission and a purpose, just like your job. When I go into the office in the morning... Kathy will have her job that she sits at the desk and, do, and does. Sean has his job that he does. The technicians have a job that they go do. They know ahead of time what they're to accomplish. But all of us put into one big circumference, we all operate to do one purpose. To free the world of bugs. But that's our job. We're all different. We all have different responsibilities. But without one of them? It wouldn't work. Yeah, I can have all the technicians in the world, but if I don't have somebody answering the phone, guess what? The technicians stand around. I can be in my office, and the mail comes, and they drop off all the mail. If I'm not doing my job and making a deposit, 
We've done all the work. That's great. But I didn't receive the benefits that were given to us. And all of a sudden, now I have no employees. Because most employees, when they don't receive a check, they want to walk. But we all have this dance. It takes all of us to make this thing work. It takes God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It takes all three of them to accomplish the will of the Father. One in and of themselves is not enough. So what happens? He sends this comforter. John 14, 26 talks about it again. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. So Jesus presented it. But he's saying now it's not good enough for me to be here. It's expedient that I go to heaven, that I'll send a comforter. Why? Because the comforter shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So what are you saying? Jesus spoke it. Shouldn't I just remember it? That's not what he just said. It takes the Holy Spirit to bring to my remembrance. It takes the Holy Spirit and the Father in and of them together to work in unity because the best teacher can teach you all things. But it takes something else to bring those things to remembrance. He displayed them. He walked them. But it takes the Holy Spirit. When you look at the word comforter from the Strong's, Parkletos, as good as it's going to get. I want you to see what it's saying. One who pleads another cause before a judge, a pleader, a counsel for defense, a legal system, an advocate. One who pleads another's cause with one, an intercessor of Christ in his exaltation of God's right hand, pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins. In the widest sense, a helper, an aider. How much benefit is it when we realize we have an assistant? When you have somebody that's walking with you, that it's his job to bring all things to our remembrance. What do you mean? That means when I stand here now, when I tell you, I say, let's go out and pray for people. And you say, I don't know what to say. Good. Because I know when that time comes and you begin to pray for somebody, the Holy Spirit steps in and says, okay. I'm going to bring all things to your remembrance. It's his job to bring all things to your remembrance. It's not your job to remember. It's your job to allow the Spirit in and allow Jesus in to bring the Word in. That's the responsibility of the believer. We've made this Holy Spirit thing so stinking complicated. We've made this Holy Spirit thing so stinking weird. We've all watched TV shows or or things where the Holy Spirit's moving, and we all go, wow, why did he just get hit with somebody's coat? Let's be real. And it makes us go, mm, I don't know if I want that. I don't want to be humiliated. I've watched people in prayer lines on TV get sucker punched in the gut. I mean a solid right hook into the gut because that's what the Spirit said to do. For me, I'm going, I don't need the Spirit then. I'm good. I'm really good. I know you can do all things, but right? 
We've been around things that make us so weird of this spirit that we say, I don't know if I need it. But if Jesus said that I have to go so that you can get the comforter, it's expedient that I go, I want the comforter. I want the comforter. I want that when I'm walking day by day and moment by moment. Those God appointments. I had a conversation with somebody this week. And we got talking about some, some ideas for, for either this year or next year on some, some stuff. And I hadn't thought about foster care. I hadn't thought about, you know, a couple years ago we did the foster care Christmas and we gave, I think, 54, 56 bags, Christmas bags to the foster care program. I hadn't thought about it again. But I got in a conversation with somebody about potentially doing something this year. And it just kind of went to those, one of these moments where I was like, okay, well, if this is what God's saying, I'm not one to let the grass grow under my feet. Let's go. Let's just run. And it was not 15, 20 minutes after I finished this conversation while standing inside Lowe's. Got appointments in Lowe's, around the toolboxes, dreaming of those big, nice toolboxes. Mm-hmm. How can I get one? Not that I need one. Just how can I get one? But going there and going, okay, Lord, I, I hear what you're saying. How does this happen? So my email went off. Before I left Lowe's, we're right in that general vicinity. And it was from a director that's over foster care program in the state of Oklahoma. We've been trying to unlock something for over a year that's a benefit to the churches. That of all the churches in Ardmore, where a bunch of us went and sit in this meeting and three of us signed up. I need 10 more churches to sign up. What it does, it unlocks an ability that if a child gets pulled from a home, because when they're pulled from a home, they have nothing, 99% of the time. And when, this, when they come into the system, if the system doesn't have things for them, clothing, a bed, nutrients, things of that, they can send out a, max, a mass text to group within the Carter County area and say, does anybody have a bed? Does anybody have food? Does anybody have clothes? And what does it do? It puts off an alarm inside the churches that say there's an area that we can step in. Maybe this time I can, I can fill this void. I can't do it all, but I can get a bed. I can get some food. I can get some clothes. What is that that's going on? It's an opportunity for us to serve. It's an opportunity for us to serve. And it's been dead in here for a year. But yet, through a God conversation that I didn't realize was preempting conversation that was about to start again via an email within the next 20 minutes. What was going on? I didn't know in the morning when I woke up that I was going to have a conversation about foster care. I didn't know in the morning that there was some alignment that was coming up. It's walking hand in hand and the comforter going, okay, here we are. This is what you need to say. It's giving you the words to speak in the moment. We counteract what God's wanting to do because I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't pray this morning. Honestly, you need to pray. Hear me. You need to pray. You need to read your word. But I promise you God's not sitting up there. What are they doing? I want to use them again. Be a willing vessel. Because there's so often that when you step in and allow God to use you, that you grow. It's when you step in and allow God to finally use you and you're praying for that person or you're talking to that person or or you're grabbing food for that family, or you're doing this, you're doing the works of the ministry. 
that all of a sudden the Spirit steps in and He begins to place words on the inside of your, your mind and your heart. Now, the Holy Spirit is not one of those things that all of a sudden He takes over your, your tongue and you're trying to close your mouth and you're trying to stop, but your mouth just can't stop because it keeps going. That's not how the Spirit works. Okay? You have a free will. You have the free will to say, I'm not going to say anything or I am going to say something. I'm not going to say something. I am going to say something. So there's times that you're going to begin to feel something on the inside of you. And it makes you uncomfortable. I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if I can tell her what, what you're showing me. Well, you have an opportunity that more than likely, Trish, it wouldn't have changed her world drastically for me to say it or not say it. But it also might change her world for me to say it or not say it. It wasn't, it wasn't this big, deep thing that I revealed some big, dark secret. It was just simply saying, God loves you. It's stepping into that uncomfortableness of even saying, I feel like the Lord's telling me this. If I'm wrong, cast it out. Because I'm just now learning how to drive this car. I don't understand all the buttons and all the things that goes on. It's been several years ago now. There was a winter snowstorm coming in. And my dad had borrowed a truck from a car lot. We were looking at trying to sell it. And my brothers were real young at that point. So he went and picked up my brother here in town. And so they're, they're shooting back across, heading out towards the house. And all of a sudden, Dad goes, what's going on? And Kelly was like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm, my, my, my legs are hot. My, my body's hot. What, what's going on? And Kelly's sitting over there, and he starts laughing. Why? Because Kelly had found the seat warmer button that Dad had no idea was there. He was starting to think he was having a medical emergency. What's going on? I'm getting hot. You know, what, what's going on? He didn't understand all the buttons in this truck. But guess what? After he was showed that, he started using it. I drove my truck for over a year and a half. And in the cold, you know, the four or five days in the winter that we get really, really cold, I would put gloves on. Like, man, I just hate putting gloves on because then nothing, you know, you can't touch, you can't grab anything. And my wife goes, well, get the steering wheel warmer. It's like, my truck doesn't have one. Goes, yes, it does. And right on the center of the steering wheel, right in the smack dab middle, there's a button. Guess what it does? It warms the steering wheel. Guess what I do now? Every winter, part of the warm-up process is to hit the steering wheel button. Thank God for ingenious people that make steering wheel seat and warmers and seat warmers and all this stuff. What's the problem? We don't always know how to use it. But what, how do we know? We step out and we hit a button. I may not know how the seat warmer works. I've also had a car that when you went over into one lane too far, that the right thigh or the left thigh would start vibrating. And the first time it did that, I was like, what is going on? What's, what's going on? And realize it's a lane assist. I, I shut that button off. I don't like that. But what? It's learning how to use the vehicle that I have at my disposal. What do you mean? You have an opportunity to use and to operate with the Holy Spirit as your comforter. In a way that you don't realize you do. But how do you know sometimes? 
Well, for one, it would be really easy. Read the manual. You know, all the years Tony has worked for the car dealerships, the questions that he would get off and on of people that he, you know, it just happens. Well, if you'd have read the manual, you probably would have not asked this question. But he's so nice and so nice to them, he will help them in whatever way, shape, or form they need. That's just who he is. Why? Because he spent a lot of years in the car business knowing a lot of things about a lot of cars. He studied them. He knows them. So that you can call and ask him a question. Guess what? There's people around you in your life that if you don't understand what's going on around you, you can call them. They've already learned how to push all the buttons. They've learned how to make everything operate. And they can say, all you have to do is push the button. All you have to do is just try. That's the simpleness of the Holy Spirit. Just try. Begin to step into what's uncomfortable. It's easier when you're in a life group or you're in a small group of people to operate in these things. It's totally different when you're standing in a room with 200 people to say, I really feel like the Lord's saying this. I don't ask my kids when they're learning to do a sport or when they're learning to walk to go run a marathon. I say, just come to this chair and stand up. Just learn to stand. You, you mean learning to operate in the Holy Spirit as simple as a child learning to stand? Exactly. We have complicated this thing to the nth degree. Simple obedience is not just the pastor said, let's go pray at the Veterans Center. I'm going to go do it. Simple obedience says that I need a comforter. God, whatever you said, I'm here. However you need to use me. Because it's the Spirit's job to bring all things to my remembrance. How freeing is that? I don't have to remember every word, everything between Genesis and Revelation. I don't have to remember those things. I know that when I put those things in, that the Holy Spirit's job is to remind me everything that God says. Everything that He says to do. That's his job. Because it's expedient that I go away. Jesus said it's more beneficial for us to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit than it was to have Jesus present with us in this physical body. Are you kidding me? Serious. Yes, it's a great thing. But you know what Jesus did? He accomplished what he set forth to accomplish. He came down and was the sacrifice that gave us the access to receive the comforter, to step into the holy of holies, to go beyond that veil, to allow our spirit man to become the holy of holies, where the the word of the Lord dwells. It's that simple. We've overcomplicated this thing. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There's a word, and I've listened to the Strongs for 30 minutes today on how to pronounce this word. R-A-W-K-A-H-H-A-T. Rachat. Somewhere along that line. That's Oklahoma slang. For a Hebrew word. But one of the definitions of this word is brood. So the Spirit of God moved along the face of the waters. Like a laying hen. Watching out for what was needed to be watched out. Protecting the eggs. 
protecting what? And then what did the Spirit do? When when God said, let there be light, where did the light come from? It was the Spirit that moved because of the voice that was said. It was His job. It's the Spirit's job to bring back in and to produce forth. It came from the Father, but it came through the Spirit, and the Spirit brought light. The Spirit brought all of this. This is where we're at. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Like, and He wants to do it to you. I want you to imagine a laying hen. And, and this laying hen is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is actually all around you. And the Spirit of God, like a hen, has got wings out. Protecting you. What happens? How do, we, how do we fall? It's when we say, oh, I got this. And we step out. But if we would walk in the path that the Spirit's leading us, that protection of, of the Spirit is right there. That protection that goes with us, that gives us the words to speak, gives us the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? We step back into alignment. and We allow the Spirit to brood, to stand over us, to hover around us, to protect us. Zechariah 4.6 Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Here we are again. Here's that spirit that brings all things to our remembrance. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's not by something we can do. It's by the spirit. The father spoke light. The spirit made it happen. The father spoke. The spirit made it happen. The spirit wants to be in alignment with you. The spirit wants to be real on the inside of you. We started all the way back in, in Joel talking about this. But here we are. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. We're here. All it takes. Slowing down. Allowing the spirit to brood. That's all it is. It's not as difficult as we we think it is. The Spirit brings us and says, hey, it's time to come in to salvation. The Spirit comes in and says, it's time to step into alignment. It calls us. It's that gravitational pull. We talked about several weeks ago. It's that gravitational pull that's pulling us in a direction. That's the Spirit saying, come here. I'm here. My wings are out. If you'll step back up underneath this, you're going to experience things that you've never experienced before. That's all it takes, the simple obedience of that. But we've overcomplicated it. To receive the Holy Spirit is a very simplistic process. Because the Spirit draws all men, but there's another level. There's an understanding that says, okay, I want to step into full alignment. It's stepping back underneath that that brood, those wings, and saying, all right, God, here I am. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to move in me and through me. It's not a process. It's not a thing where you have to go run around the building or you have to do so many jumping jacks or you have to do this or you do that. It's a simple obedience to saying, anything you have, God, I'm here. This is what I want. 
That's where it's at. And when we allow the Spirit to move on the inside of us, you'll begin to experience those times when the Spirit brings all things to our remembrance. You'll begin to walk in those gifts that you see other people do, and you go, I don't know how. You get back into Acts, and you see, because today is what, as, as Christians, the American church, we celebrate as Pentecost Sunday. There's churches around the country that are standing today, and we're remembering the blessing to the Father that said, it's important that I go because I'm going to send a comforter to you. And that comforter fell like fire and like wind. And the first church was born. Why are we not seeing the church revolutionize a nation? Because we're missing the power. We're missing the power. Why? How do I know that? Because the day of Pentecost, how many people got saved that one day? 3,000 people. All because they went in there and said, all right, we ain't leaving this room until we's in one accord. And there's some of us that if we were going to get in one accord, it'd take us a month to get into one accord. But there's a God-appointed moment that says, you know what? I'm in a season that's moving things at a faster pace. I'm wanting to see my kingdom come, my will be done at a level that we've never experienced before. All it takes is simple obedience. Simple obedience. To step into alignment and to say, God, in unity, we stand here. Ready to experience. Why are we going from community to community? Why do I see it as a complete circle as we go on these monthly worship times? Because I believe there's a unity coming when that circle is complete. That circle is unified. And we're, we're being able to, to capture the minds and the attitudes and the worship environment of other communities and other cities and other denominations. And they're going, hey, there's something going on over here. Well, it's not like what we've always experienced. No, it's not. Because I'm done with religion. I'm 100% done with religion. It's about relationship. It's about experiencing Jesus at his fullest. But again, from the denominational past that I've been in, it, it felt so complicated. At camp, it felt so free and so easy. But then we came back from camp and it felt so complicated. You mean I have to go back and I have to shut everything out of my life again? I have to go back and shut the Nintendo off and the TV off and we didn't have phones back then. All these things off and, and, and get back to that moment. There may be a season. But it's simple obedience. Of just stepping back in saying, okay God, I'm stepping back into alignment. I want you back underneath that covering. It's that simple. How do you do that? Through simple obedience. Because he's wanting to do stuff. And I will show wonders in heaven above. And signs in the earth beneath. Can you imagine if the capital C church, not just Victory Life, not just one of the other churches around here, but if the capital C church finally said, you know what, religion, the work of the enemy. Because we say, oh, it has to be this way. We can't fellowship with you. It has to be this way. We can't fellowship with you. We can fellowship under the unity that Jesus died on a cross, that he rose again, and that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. True salvation is all that really matters. But if we as a church would begin as individuals to walk into the grocery stores, to walk into our jobs, and to allow the Spirit 
to bring all things to our remembrance and say, I'm praying for you today, standing in agreement with you today. And I'm praying that whatever's going on, if we as a church, we would begin to see, I think Dad and I were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and, and we were talking about why are we not seeing, seeing healings and miracles like Scripture said we would. Are we seeing people the way Jesus sees people? Or are we seeing people the way I see them? Jesus' love for them is incredible because I know his love for me. The moment that I can begin to pray for somebody through the lens of the Holy Spirit, seeing them the way Jesus sees them, we're going to begin to see things change because our goal is to see people transformed by Jesus. Period. End of the day, that's what we're here for. So know this. He is the God of today. It didn't die. It did not die with the apostles. How do I know that? Because I've seen God work in my own life. I've seen God be able to allow me to to speak life into somebody and to see their, their eyes change. How do I know that? Because it's just stepping into simple obedience and saying, you know what? I might miss God. I probably will at some point. Or I probably have. But I'm stepping into alignment. I'm learning to walk. Because I'm going to learn to run. Because I'm going to learn that it's the endurance of this marathon that's going to allow us to see the kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do I know that? Because in heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no death. In heaven, there's no drug addiction. In heaven, there's none of these hang-ups. He's changed. But I know that His will is for what happened in heaven to be accomplished here. And it starts with simple obedience. Simple obedience. Lord, I honor You. Lord, we worship you this morning. Today, God, I thank you that I see your spirit with wings open, wrapped around. And all you're doing is saying, step in. (laughs) You've not made it difficult. You've made it very simple. We've overcomplicated the gospel. Today, Father, I ask for a release. A release of your spirit. I thank you that there is a drawing, a pulling, a gravitational pull that draws all men unto you. And we recognize that as your Holy Spirit. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, To be able to walk in the fullness and the understanding of the gospel of the Holy Spirit takes a relationship. It takes a relationship with Jesus himself, the man that died on a cross, that literally took the weight of the world upon his shoulders to the point that when he was in the garden and he sweat great drops of blood, it was the weight of the world. It was the weight of what was about to unfold in his life 
and for the very first time in his existence, would be separated for that brief moment from the Father himself. And he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. And he meant it. I want to do this. Let it go away. But you know what, Father? Not my will, but your will be done. And he laid down his desire for the desire of the Father. And he walked the road, took the abuse, and conquered death, hell, and the grave for you. And to simply step into alignment is another simple act. It's saying, Father, I receive you as my Savior. I acknowledge with my head that you are Savior. And now I receive you into my heart, into my spirit. It's making a public declaration that he says, just simply ask. And see that I won't move heaven and earth to move in on the inside of you. So this morning, I want to pray with you. I want to stand in agreement with you. I want to lay my head on my pillow tonight and say, you know what? I'm praying for you. Through a simple act of obedience, we're going to pray as a family here in just a minute. But if that's you and you say, you know what? I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and put it right back down? I just want to acknowledge because when we pray here in a minute, I want to pray with you. Is there anybody in the room that says, you know what? Today's my day. I need Jesus as Lord of my life today. Okay. Awesome. There's another call. This one takes boldness. If the prayer team at the back would come to the front. How in the world could I talk about the Holy Spirit this morning? And not say, the table is prepared. All you have to do is step up. All you have to do is step up. It's simple. All you have to do is say, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. And when you ask and people stand with you and stand in agreement with you, because you asked, He moves. And then you begin to learn what this journey of the Holy Spirit is. There is a language of the heavens. There is a language, but you know what? It's not something that just takes over my mouth and I just can't control it. My free will kicks in. And that same thing is for you today. So this takes boldness. But today, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, if you want to receive everything that Jesus has for you, and this is his best, how do I know? Because he says, it's important that I leave so that the comforter can come. And then we talked about who the comforter is. So on Pentecost Sunday, the day that we celebrate, that we've, we've chosen to celebrate the fire and the wind of God, if that's you this morning and you want to say, you know what? I want to receive the Holy Spirit this morning. I need you to step up, walk to the front. One of these beautiful people at the front will stand with you. 
We want to pray with you. We want to engage. All it takes is a simple act of obedience. The enemy will tell you, don't do it. Somebody's going to look at you. That's okay. Guess what? They will. So we settled it. If that's you today and you want to receive the Holy Spirit, today's your day. I'm asking you to come to the front and let's pray with you today. Don't leave today the same way that you you came in. This is your moment. This is your time. Anybody else? She already broke the water. Anybody else? Come on, don't hold back. Receive the fullness that God has for you. Brandon. Anybody else this morning? No better day, no better time. Okay. Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for boldness. Lord, I thank you for an awakening inside of our spirit, inside of our spirit, man, that today we know and we experience the fullness of Jesus. We honor you, Father. We honor you in everything that we do. Let us be a witness of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I pray if we're here, if you want prayer, we're still down here. There's plenty of us down here to pray. If not, I pray you have an incredible week. Service Wednesday night, Mr. Antonio will be speaking. I'm excited to hear what he's got to say. But know this. You've been equipped to see the world around you transformed by Jesus because of simple obedience. Don't forget tonight at 6, if you want to hear Pastor Dwayne or Pastor Jacob, it'll be here. Other than that, have an incredible week.